Well, how many of you were watching, we could go Friday, Nick Melinda tight roping his way across Niagara Falls. Somebody saw that uh, broadcast. Yeah, quite a broadcast, huh? That was something else. Here's a picture of Nick. And there, <laughs> wow, I mean, it was pretty impressive night with the lights and uh, the feet that the accomplished there is giving a knee to the crowd as they cheer him towards uh, the end there, he did have a security harness on. He didn't want the harness, but ABC didn't want to see him die on uh, national television, I guess. So. <laughs> uh, but amazing, isn't it? I was reading about this, and his sister said that when they were little kids, they would have tight ropes in their backyard because they were part of the Walenda family, right? Seven decades of daredevils. Uh, Tightroping, anything they could tightrope over or against. Uh, five of the family have died uh, doing these type of uh, stunts, but uh, he certainly was successful. So you, you wonder, what gives the person the confidence to be able to do something like that? Well, it's, it's practice. You start out when you're a little kid and you walk and you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and he's done a lot of other big walks and it's just like him it's like you know us walking down the street almost there's so much confidence there so if we take that analogy and we say okay well how does one grow strong in their confidence in god many christians would say well you got to practice you got to practice your quiet time, you've got to practice um, serving, you've got to practice obeying God, and the more you practice, the stronger you're going to be. Wrong answer. <laughs> Wrong answer. No, the key word is not practice. The key word is understanding who you are as a child of God. Understanding who you are as a child of God. That's what we're going to explore this morning as we conclude our series, Unleashing, or Unleash, that is. We've talked about the first weekend, unleashing yourself, identifying your spiritual gift and using it to give grace to other people. The next week, we talked about unleashing others, the fact that we need to be Investing in the lives of others. Of course, we invest in the lives of our family and our spouse, but outside our family, spending time with other Christ followers or people who don't know Jesus, investing time with them, helping them to come to know Him, and then investing in the lives of new believers, just walking along with them and encouraging them. Investing uh, your life in a, with a spiritual friend, somebody you get together with and talk about your spiritual life on a regular basis. You encourage each other. You help each other through difficulties. Or investing in a person who's maybe involved in your ministry. Helping them to understand how the ministry works and how they can be more effective. Or maybe uh, you, you see a potential leader. You're a small group leader and you have an apprentice and you're investing in them. You're helping them to gain skills and understanding of how to care for other people. We all need to be passing on what God has given us. That's what it says in His Word. Now, last week was Father's Day. I had a great time celebrating Dad's spiritual role in the family. And today we're going to talk about unleashing 
the church. Let's look at 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. It says there, Peter writes, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, let's uh, take a closer look at this passage, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people. God has chosen you. If you have come to Christ and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I, I don't deserve your grace. I can't earn your favor. And I humbly uh, repent and I accept your free gift of salvation. Then you become a Christ follower. That means you're chosen. So I'm speaking to people who've made that decision today, and obviously would encourage those who have not to continue to explore that and talk to us about that. And I can tell you how rich a life that is. But you're chosen. Remember when you were growing up and at a game of softball, and they would divide into teams. So basically, you had two captains, usually the most athletic. Natural leaders, whatever. So you got two captains, right? And you got a whole bunch of kids, and then they start. I want that kid, and I want that kid, and I want that kid. Now some of you are saying, "Well, I was always chosen, or I was a captain." So you don't have to listen to this. But the rest of us, you were kind of going like, "Oh no, <laughs> I hate this." <laughs> oh please, Lord, please let me not be the runt. Please let me not be the runt. And it gets down, you know, to like, you know, there's two kids, you and some other kid. You're saying, oh, Lord, please help me to be chosen. Even at this level, help me to be chosen. Because if I'm not chosen, they're going to force me on some team. That really, I mean, nobody chooses you if you're the last kid, right? I mean, we, we, nobody wants this kid, right? You're forced to have him because we, we, we made the last. How purple is that? <laughs> I know some of you might have baggage. I have a little bit of baggage here. I'm not an athletic uh, but, uh, yeah, that hurts. But, but I'm here to say today that God chose you first. Not second, not last. God chose you first. He chose each one of us who know Him first. That's something to get excited about, right? Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That's, that's for us who are children of God. It goes, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Now, that's something to think about. Oh, wow, you know. God didn't just choose me, but He chose me before the United States was formed as a nation before Jesus Christ walked upon this earth, before the Roman Empire was established, before the pyramids of Egypt were built, before Adam and Eve were in the garden, Dan Harrison was chosen by God to be part of his family. Take some time to think about that. You were chosen before the foundation of the world. You're pretty special. Right? That's, that's, that's very significant. 
that we should be holy and blameless before Him through Christ in love. It wasn't just a lottery drawing. <laughs> There's a motivation here. In love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to His purpose of His will. Jesus Christ. Through Him, we were adopted by God. You know, it's a really special thing to be adopted. I mean, it, it, it's wonderful when you're born into a family. It is. No, not about that. But really, I mean, to be adopted, to be chosen. I think of, uh, well, we've got Todd and Jill back there with Little Haven. They've been on an adoption journey for several years here. And uh, those who know them have walked alongside them. And, yeah, I mean... You have to really work hard to adopt a child, right? I mean, a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of resources, a lot of emotional energy. It's a really quite a journey. But Todd and Jill just knew God wanted them to adopt a child, not even a baby. You know, usually, you know, there's preferences when you adopt kids. And they said, oh, we don't even need a baby. You know, just, just God, give us a child. And God bless them uh, with haven. And isn't that a beautiful thing? And when Haven grows up, as she grows older, what a beautiful thing that will be. You know, as they explain to her how she came into their life. And that they chose her. That they went way beyond what uh, sometimes normal couples do, and just having children, to bring them into their lives so that they could be her parents. But you see, God adopted you. That's how much He loves you. We look in First Peter 2.10 and we see the adoption process. Very powerful process. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you were not a people, you weren't associated with any group. You were lost. You were an orphan. But now you're God's people. God's people. Now, it's kind of like living in Chicago, where you know you're either a Cub fan or a Sox fan, right? I mean, if you don't really care about baseball, at least pick one to be politically correct, because you got to have some answer. You just can't say, "Well, I really am not into baseball." Wrong answer around here. Okay, just just, just pick one. <laughs> First letter in the alphabet. I don't care. But, you know, you got to be some kind of fan here in Chicago, Cubs or Sox. Because you have an identity with a team. Well, friends, we have an identity with God. Isn't that beautiful? We have an identity with God. We are His people. We are fans of God. Right? And He's a fan of us. How many Cub fans do we have here? Raise your hand high and proud. God bless you all. God bless you all. We will go to the promised land together. All right, now, Sox fans, raise your hand. All right, now, everybody, keep your arms up. Everybody look at these people, okay? All right, these are the people you need to pray for this summer, that God's going to help them, because obviously Cubs are God's team. So, therefore, these people need more of the Holy Spirit, need more guidance, and eventually, somehow, someway, look at McDonough down here, you know, he's really hardcore. I grew up on the south side. That's no excuse. That's, I'm sorry, you were bra- 
I'm sorry you were brainwashed, you know. Uh, that's unfortunate, but that's what we're here for, to help you to work through those issues. You know, so, yeah, just be praying for those people. All right. Uh, so this is the adoption process. He makes us our people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he adopted us. We were prisoners of our sinful nature. We're prisoners locked away in darkness. And God came along and he adopted us and he gave us this incredible freedom. Freedom to no longer be bound by sin. Freedom to experience him. Freedom to have a forever relationship with him. What an adoption, huh? Yeah, that is so great. Awesome to be a child of God. John one twelve lays it right out there. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right, the right, the responsibility, the privilege to be children of God. I'm thinking, okay, how special it is to be a child of God. Well, let's think of, you know, the most powerful man in the world, as often said, the President of the United States. What would it, what would it be like to be a, a child of the President? Well, we see Lay and uh, Sasha here. Uh, yeah, how cool to be the President's kid. It's interesting, uh, Sasha was only seven years old. Um, I think uh, she's 11 and was 14. But... Yeah, that was the youngest occupant of the office, uh, White House, since Kennedy's John John, uh, who was an infant in the White House. So it's kind of fun to have kids in the White House, right? And so, yeah, I mean, hey, you know, you get the food you want to eat. Did some research, found out the Obamas are very responsible and you know, tells all they do whatever all parents do. But you got some perks there, no doubt. You know, you got a helicopter and a plane. <laughs> Cruise around on with Dad. <laughs> Traveling to Camp David. and You're an instant celebrity. Everybody wants to know everything about you. Right? So I went online. I'm typing in President Girls. and They went to a Beyonce concert on May 26th, I believe. And uh, you know... You know they were sitting in the front row. You know, they weren't in the nosebleed seats at the Beyonce concert, right? You know, you know they, they came up in limousines. You know, you know, I was looking in the article, but you know that they met Beyonce afterwards, right? Private party and that kind of thing. I mean, you know, the president's daughters and his wife show up to your concert. I mean, I don't care who we are, you know. Come on backstage. Let's hang out a little bit, right? What a life for a kid. Now, we can understand that. We resonate with that. I want to go to Beyonce concert. Not me personally, but some of you out there, I guess. Um, but you're a child of God. You're a child of God. And the Creator, the Almighty God. You see, here, here's the challenge. Is you really have to think about it. You really have to, again, in your daily office, you really need just to you can spend weeks on this, just letting it be a part of who you are. Because this is what you really need to realize. Your significance in life is that you're a beloved child of God, period. 
That's all you need to know. You're a beloved child of God. Period. So many times this happens. I say the majority of Christians, it's true myself. I'm very performance-driven. So even though I came to Christ at a young age, uh, I, uh, I still was performance-driven. So I, I understand grace, and yeah, I'm all in, no works. It's all about Jesus, what he did for me. But in the way I've lived my life many times, it's like God loves me. But does God really like me? Now, I bet God would like me more if I did this. I bet God would like me more if I was more involved in church. I believe God would, if I read my Bible a lot, God would like me more. If I served other people, God would like me more. We're back in the same boat, right? It works orientation. It's just the way we're wired. Uh, sinfully, and our culture encourages it, right? You know, you, you just got to achieve. You, you've got to earn it for God to like you. He loves me. I know that. You know, he's my dad and everything, but I want to be, you know, like a uh, top son or something like that. <laughs> no! God, you are a beloved child of God, period. First John 3, 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. See what kind of love. That means, that means think about it. You know, wonder about it. See what kind of love. It, oh, this is a love that, that's very unusual. Something that you, you really have to just meditate upon and consider. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And John's saying, we're called the children of God. What kind of love is that? I mean, we, we deserve punishment, and now we're in the big house. Right? And, and this is so critical, again, to understand, is that all of us seek significance in life. We want to be significant in some way. We want to be special. And we want other people to know that. That's a very natural desire. There's nothing wrong with that. But what really should be significant about us and what we should resonate with and what we should feel and experience is that we're children of God. But we gravitate toward other things because we're sinful and we live in this world and so... If I were in some way given the power to, to come up to you this morning, as you sit out there, and, and, and just ask you, why are you special? And you just, truth serum, you know, you just came out there, I'm special. I, I go, go up to one of you and say, why are you special? Say, because I'm a mom and I have three kids and I'm a great mom. I, I do better than every other mom. That's why I'm special. I say that? <laughs> I went up to somebody else and said, said why is special? Oh, I've got an awesome house. You should see my house. It, it, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's huge. It's, you know. Why is special? Oh, I, I'm, the most, I'm, I think I'm the most educated person in this church. I've got three masters. I've got two doctorates. Uh, that's why I'm special. I go up to somebody else and I say, why are you special? I say, oh, you don't know how much money I make. You probably wonder how much money I make, don't you? Huh? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you. But I tell you, I make a lot. 
I go to another person. I say, oh, you don't know how important I am in my company. I mean, I am, I'm just esteemed. I mean, everybody, you know, just, you know, they pause as I walk by. That's why I'm special. You go up to another person. You know? I mean, really, what's at our core here? What's at the core of your significance? And I know so many times in my life it hasn't been that I'm a child of God. That's something you need to really just ask God to, uh, through the Spirit, transform you and your thinking. And it ta- it, you'll, I mean, you'll never get it right to get to heaven, but you continue to grow in that understanding of who you are in God. Because, you see, the world doesn't care. Say, it says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. They could care less about the fact that we're you know, we're children of God. Let's say that you're at a mixer uh, at, I don't know, a business or a neighbor thing. Let's get around. Let's just, you know, get to know each other. Let's everybody go around and just say something by yourself. And you say, you know, well, the most important thing you need to know about me is that I am a child of God. There's a you know, silence. I'm like, what are we Leader's thinking, okay, we've got a cultist in the group. Cultist in the group. You know, let's just move on here, move past this discomfort. And everybody's thinking, well, they are really way out there, you know. Like, what in the deal with, what's with that, right? We don't get any affirmation for being children of God from the world, right? Yeah, nobody cares. And that's why it's so hard for us to... To get it into our heads because nobody's going to give us strokes for being a child of God. <laughs> Except for maybe other Christ followers. Maybe other Christ followers. <laughs> so that's why you've got to drink in this truth. And you need to experience the love of God. That's something a lot of you have never experienced before. You're so driven and moving ahead and... You know, trying to find significance in different areas. And, you know, you're very well-intentioned, but you, you, you still don't understand that you're a child of God. And yeah, okay, I know I'm a child of God, and I can tell you the ten benefits of why I'm a child of God. But do you, have you experienced it? Do you feel it in your heart and your soul? I am a child of God. Like you feel the love of your spouse or your kids. You feel that love. That's where... We all have to grow. Like in our daily office, just sit there for 15 minutes in silence and think about the love of God. Take one of these verses. You know, take one of these verses. Another verse is 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what will be has not yet appeared. So we're not fully developed. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. That's something to look forward to, right? To be like Jesus, to be holy and blameless. So, so this is what I'm encouraging you to do. Uh, I'm encouraging you, first of all, uh, we've got our summer daily office challenge. We'll have our fall daily office challenge. <laughs> you can expect this. <laughs> and hopefully one of these times, you know, you're going to make it a regular habit in your life. But point is, you know, I'm just asking you as your pastor to take 10 to 15 minutes a day. Just to spend time with Jesus, because that's the only way you're going to get to know him is by spending time with him. And of course, our daily bread we talked about online, 
and you need a devotional or a lot of other great resources or just choose verses out of Scripture or from the message or whatever, your small group time, and just meditate on those verses and pray. 10 to 15 minutes every day. Spend time with Jesus to get to know Him. And I tell you what, guys, you know, boy, you could take a week on all these verses, just one verse, and really let it soak in. Because that, that, that's the time you need to understand how much God loves you. And some of you struggle so much because of all the sin in your life, all the mistakes you've made. How could God love me? How could God like me? Look what I've done. Look how I've rebelled against Him. I've gone my own way. I've made a mess of things. Yeah, we all have in one way or another, haven't we? But God loves you. He loves you so much. And, and, and you're the one who's holding on to the guilt. He isn't. If you, if you repent, he'll forgive you. And, and he just wants to wrap his arms around you. And he just wants to hold you. Maybe you just need to sit there for 15 minutes and imagine God holding you. And saying, God, I'm so sorry. And listen to him say about what? Because <laughs> right? he, he forgave you, right? You know, I'm so sorry about what? <laughs> so, okay, yeah, I understand now. Yeah, you know, some of the stuff goes so deep in our heart and lives. We just need to drink it in. And you really got to work hard at it, guys. It's not just something you know you hear in a sermon, you think about throughout the day, and because you just keep carrying that guilt with you. Man, you, some of you, the more you struggle with guilt and condemnation, the more you need these, these type of verses. And the more you need to focus on the love of God. You know, buy books on the love of God, listen to messages on the love of God. Just, oh. Now, some of you need other types of messages. You know, I'm just telling you, if you need it, feed on it, okay? All right. Well, we move on to 1 Peter 2.9. Uh, but you are chosen people of royal priesthood. Now, we think about the Israelites and the priesthood that they had. You had 12 tribes. And one was a priestly tribe, and that was the tribe of Levi. And to be a priest, you had to be a tribe of Levi, but not all Levites were priests. Okay? There are 48 different locations around Israel where they were residing. And they did local duties, but, but they were... Regular people doing farming, things of that nature. But maybe once a year they went to, the well, the temple, Solomon's temple or Herod's temple. They went to the temple. And, and, and they were able to go into the temple, the priest. Now, that was, that was like, man, unbelievable. <laughs> you know, that's, that's God's house. In fact, uh, here's just a rendering of it. You've got the altar there where they burn sacrifices, especially the... Uh, Sacrificial lamb uh, that foreshadowed Christ's sacrifice for us and many other types of sacrifices as well. And that was uh, the temple, uh, Solomon's temple, uh, the most glorious temple. And, and so the, only the priest could go inside because that's God's house. And you had, to, you had to do certain things and act certain ways. And, you know, you, know, you, you go into God's house. That's serious stuff. All right. And as you know, beyond that, you had the Holy of Holies. Here we have a rendering of that. Uh, that is where God presided, where his presence was. You have the uh, Ark of the Covenant there. 
learn more about that through Harrison Ford movies and other <laughs> sources. There it is. <laughs> I mean, and the high priest is the only one who went into this place once a year to seek the forgiveness of the sins for the Israelites. God required that. So he went in, they put a rope around his leg just in case he made the wrong move in there because they're very... Uh, specific things he could do and not do. And so if he died, nobody else wanted to go in there and die. They dragged the guy out. Uh, but you, you understand the, the seriousness of all this? I mean, God's temple, God's place, being a priest, the, just the unbelievable opportunity that people had to be a priest and represent God. Well, we see here a curtain that covered the Holy of Holies. And uh, huge curtain, and it was uh, very thick. Now, when Jesus Christ died, as you'll remember in Matthew 27, um, Matthew reports it, verse 51, at that moment when Jesus died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. At the moment when Jesus Christ died, let's go back to the curtain, it just split open, just ripped. Top to bottom. I mean, mean, it was incredibly thick. No man could do this. And what did that mean? That meant one thing. God had left the building. God had left the building. The temple that they had put up for God. God said, I'm not living here anymore. Well, where, where was God going? Now we see that in... Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? So he moves out of the temple and he moves into you and me through the Holy Spirit when we become Christ followers. Wow. I mean, think about that for a while. What are the implications of that for our everyday life? That God lives within us. How should that impact how we talk, how we take care of our bodies, and so on and on? But God is within us, and and we're the temple, and that means we're a priest. (laughs) Okay, the royal priesthood, that's what I'm getting to here, right? We're all priests. We know Jesus. We are priests. God is within us. Now, if we were able to go back through time travel, and you go back there, and you're put right in the middle of Solomon's reign, and you're right in front of his temple and a priest happens to come by and say, hey, listen, listen, I'm from the future. Like way, way in the future. But I, got, I want to tell you something really cool. You know, that, that temple right there? Really nice. A lot nicer than the drawing I saw. But I tell you what, someday, someday the Messiah is going to come. You know about that. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. Well, the Messiah is going to come. Jesus, right? And, and, and uh, you know, God's going to leave this temple and you, would, you will not believe this, but the temple is me now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, anybody you know follows Jesus. You know, we're the temple now, and Jesus is within me. You know, like the Holy of Holies in there. You you can't go there, right? You're not the high priest, are you? Okay, all right, now, okay. You can't go there, but like I'm the Holy of Holies here, all right, and I'm the temple, and I'm a priest just like you. <laughs> hey, hey, can we like get together a group of people? Because I'd like to tell more people. What would happen? You would be stoned, man. Not by alcohol. <laughs> You'd be stoned by real rocks. Why? That's heresy to them. They would say, what are you talking about? 
Now, the reason I share that is to help you to understand this incredible truth that you are the temple of God. The Holy of Holies is within you. God is within you. And you are a priest. And you're a child of God. <laughs> wow. That is something else. Well, First Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We're a holy nation. Now, if you go to all evangelical churches in this area, not everybody is a Christ follower, obviously. Some people are seeking Christ out. Some people, for whatever reason, they feel like they have to go to church, but they're not interested in following Jesus. A holy nation are those people who have embraced the grace of Christ. Wouldn't it be cool if like, we could identify one another, you know, like at Walmart, like if like our ears glowed or something like that? Nobody else could see but us, just our ears, you know. I don't know. I think that'd be kind of cool. You know, you're sitting in a school play or something, and you look around. Oh, there's there's part of the holy nation, or somebody else part of the holy nation. Now, some people say, "Forget those ears, man." <laughs> Unfortunately, because they're rebellious. But um, yeah, I mean, the fact that we're all over the place, we're all over the world, and, and we're unified by the Holy Spirit. We're God's people. We're God's people. You know, that is something to uh, appreciate. Well, let's uh, look at uh, what comes from this. First Peter 2, 9. But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim. Okay, now here's something we, we need to do, right? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what we want to do. Not because we feel we have to do it in order that God would like us, but we want to do it. We're walking temples of God. God is within us. We're children of God. We've experienced His incredible love. Our lives have been transformed. We want to tell somebody about it. Right? And we want to live it out. We, just your life. You're, you're a walking advertisement for Jesus Christ. I mean, you walk throughout the day. Philippians 2.15, that you may... Uh, be blameless and innocent, a children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom, whom you shine as lights in the world. This culture is crooked and perverse. Right? How many saw that viral video of the bus monitor? Let me see that. It's all over the TV. The woman, you know, who was taped by a kid, probably on a cell phone. He wanted to put it on a comedy show, which is where his head is. But she was being bullied by these kids, and they were making fun of her way middle-aged lady. And really, he's talking about her son who committed suicide. And, you know, how crooked. These are junior hires. And if they don't turn to Jesus, <laughs> I mean, they're going to grow up and these sinful patterns are obviously going to continue in their lives. And, of course, we see it all over the place. We talked a couple of weeks ago about TV and some of the shows that are on there on the Internet, just the, the scourge of pornography that's all over uh, our nation, all over the world. It's crooked and perverse. I mean, you think about the people that you go to work with, you think about the... The neighbors that live next to you, not that we're self-righteous or judging, but the fact that they don't know Jesus, so they're just doing life the way the world tells them to. I mean, it's no surprise they're crooked and perverse. I mean, we'd be crooked and perverse, too, <laughs> we didn't know Jesus. And, and so you look at it, and you say, okay, God wants me to be a light in this dark, dark place. 
You, you work, some of you work in very dark places. I mean, it's just more so than others. I mean, people just are more corrupt. And the way they talk and the jokes they make and the way they do business. I mean, you've got, some of you have very tough jobs. You're dealing with people who, whose values, of course, are all wrong. And, and you're forced in that situation and you've got to navigate that. And, oh, man, God bless you. God strengthen you in that. But you can be a light there. You can be a light just by what you say, the language that you use. Your attitude, how you respond to crises, you can just, it's not hard to be a light, okay, guys? <laughs> In our society, it's not hard to live differently. Have you ever had anybody come up to you and say, what's the deal with you? Why are you so different? Why are you so happy? You make me sick. Nobody should be that happy. Let me inform you what's happened in the last year in your life. And I'm not happy, so you shouldn't be happy. Has anybody ever said that to you? Because I pray that they have, because it will confirm that you're making a difference. You're shining a light. They see something different. And when they say, what's the deal with you? You can say, I'll tell you what the deal. I'm a child of God. Amen. Amen. All right. And only by His grace, guys. No self-righteousness here, right? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm a child of God. That's the only reason why I'm any different. You can be a child of God, too. All right. Well, uh, move on to First Peter 2, 4, and 5. Now, this is earlier in the chapter, and he kind of switches analogies. He kind of mixes analogies. So this is before. I encourage you to read the whole chapter, obviously. Get the full context. But in verse 4, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, that's Jesus Christ, the living stone rejected by men, obviously crucified, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, Jesus Christ. So now we're called living stones. We're children of God. We're priests and sacrifices. And now we're living stones. We look at this beautiful building that God has blessed us with. And uh, But, you know, this could easily be turned into a warehouse or office space or something of that nature. It's just a building. We are the church. We are the church. I love the story of the Spartan ruler who was taking a visiting monarch around his ancient Greece city, and he was saying, look at the walls of Sparta. He was boasting, you know, bragging about everything, but look at the walls of Sparta. And the visiting monarch's going, I don't see any walls. <laughs> so he said, could you show me the walls of Sparta, he said to the king. And the king looked over at some of his troops, his army, were doing drills, and he said, there they are. They are the walls of Sparta. The military strength. The fact that no one could touch Sparta because they had an unsurpassed military capacity. And what I say to you and myself today is that we are the walls of God. 
We are the walls of Jesus Christ. We are His temple. We are living stones piled upon one another to be a witness to the Almighty God in this dark world. We need to understand and appreciate that. We're priests. It says that. Being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. So what are some of the sacrifices? Well, Hebrews 13, 15. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise that is fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So whenever you acknowledge the name of God, he loves it. Why didn't we have a great time of worship this morning? Oh, mm. yeah. Appreciate just leadership so much and all those who help that... Uh, Come together. And God loves that. It's kind of like you got a favorite song, right? On your iPod or on your radio. You know, songs change your mood. They change your physiology, really. Chemicals in your brain, you know, kind of going on. You're all stressed out and you listen to this one song and all of a sudden, you know, wow, it takes you to another place. Well, that's what happens with God. You know, when he, when he hears us singing, it's like him hearing his favorite song. Right? He loves it. He just loves it. Weekends are at his best time. (laughs) I mean, these fragrant offerings that are coming up uh, to the Lord. He doesn't need them. God doesn't need anything. But he enjoys it. He enjoys our singing. But he enjoys any time we're talking about him. You two are at lunch, whatever, talking about your spiritual life and pray for me and encourage me. And, you know, God loves that. You're acknowledging his name when you have an opportunity to talk with a neighbor or somebody else about your spiritual life. God loves that. Whenever you acknowledge him with your lips, that's a sacrifice. Thank him that we do not have to be sacrificing lambs and every other type of animal anymore. Uh, these are easier sacrifices. But they're harder in a sense because it was all prescribed in the past. But, but you know, these, these things should flow from our, our heart. Uh, we, uh, let's see, Philippians 4.18 is another type of sacrifice I have received for payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul's writing to the people at Philippi, thanking them for a financial gift. So God loves when we give. We talked about here, when you give first to God, when He's your priority, when you acknowledge Him as your provider, He loves that. I I tell you, I'm so proud of you all when we went through our Heart Strong campaign. You know, it's tough. You know, it's a sensitive subject. And I just admire you so much and, and how you process through that and the faith and the sacrifice that you exhibited, and again, you committed over $650,000 to God over two years. And in the last three months, you've given $100,000 toward that. 100000 in three months. Let's give the praise to God for how He's working through us. Huh? That is awesome. Way to go. Great priestly work, you know. You're doing wonderful things. Another type of sacrifice, well, it's kind of a broad one, Hebrews 13, 16. Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Do good. Good works. Serve. 
other people. We go to our memory verse, 1 Peter 4.10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. This is where it comes down to here. Is that, you know, when we talk about the church unleashed, you know, what I see, first of all, is that we understand who we are in Jesus Christ, that we're loved. Oh, we're loved. We're forgiven. We're ch- children of God, period. You know, that's it. And we're priests, and we're living stones. And out of that reality flows a desire to serve, to serve others. And we've talked about the fact that we challenge all of you to think and pray about stepping into ministry if you're not a part of ministry. Again, you see the insert here. Uh, the first serve, you know, if you're not involved in ministry or want to try another ministry, you can read through that and check that out and take your first step into ministry. Uh, or if you're already involved in ministry, I just want you to pray throughout the summer and just say, Lord, do you want me to be more involved in the family at Springbrook? Do you want me to give more hours? Do you want me to step in the particular ministry? I am. Maybe, I, maybe you want me to become a small. You want me to become a small group leader. Maybe you want me to help with Alana or whatever. You, know, you want me to do more, or maybe you're saying, God, you know, you want me to step up in leadership. You want me to really take some responsibility. I am a leader. I'm a leader on the job. I'm a leader. You know, I got. I believe I have what it takes. But you want me to take more responsibility on? Let God speak to you about that. All right. Yeah. And then we administer. His grace. So step in or step up. Well, let's take a look at uh, some next steps. How is God going to speak to you through His Word today? Or how has He spoken to you? If you take your uh, program, don't rip it the way I did. But uh, write down the names of the adults that are attending. And if you're a guest, you can fill out the rest. And if you have any prayer requests. But again, there's next steps there under the name. And these are also in your... Program notes. Uh, how about with VBS set up today or Friday takedown? Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. I'll try a first serve in ministry. I'll pray about how I can step up in ministry involvement. I'll take the summer daily office challenge. I'll meditate on the verses from this message in my daily office. I'll pray daily for our VBS outreach. I'll memorize First Peter 4.10. Or I'm interested in knowing more about a personal relationship with Christ. The reason why we do this every week is we want you to step away. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. You always always have to have something to do, but you know, it's just a way of saying, okay, well, how has God spoken to me? And if you feel so led, you can circle it. It's just kind of a way of acknowledging, yeah. And some, you know, sometimes there'll be things we'll follow up on if you're interested in some type of ministry. But usually, it's just kind of you saying, this is what I'm going to do, because we want you to continue to grow. And maybe the thing you're doing this week is just focusing on the love of God. That's pretty good. Lord, thank you for the time you've given us to reflect upon your love and what you've called us to do out of a relationship with you. I pray that you would encourage us as we move throughout the summer to deeper, to more deeply explore who we are in you and how you want us to respond to that. In Christ's name, amen. Yeah, if we could have our ushers come forward to 